0: You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God.
1: Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you. We've been attending Refuge, Annette and myself, since January. the end of January last year. We moved here from Rockford, Illinois, um, due to a job promotion. You don't see me often because of my work schedule.
0: And I have to say, when I first came, I think people were thinking, there's that poor lady again with the backslidden husband because he wasn't here. So, you know, he does exist, and uh, he's not backslidden.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've been in ministry together for over 30 years, and we've been married 35 this December. And, um, yeah, not bad, huh? We have two grown sons, one married, one single. We're taking applications for the single one, and um, and we'll tell you more about our lives a little bit as we get into the sermon this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity of sharing your word with your body. Lord, we pray that you would make us um, free-flowing vessels of your word that would. Um, spread your word and reach into each and every heart that's here today we pray for listening ears and fertile ground for your word to embed itself and grow and produce hundredfold of what you would like us to learn today so we commit this service and this time to you in jesus name amen Amen.
0: well we um are still on this series the beatitudes and this week it's matthew 5 9 blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. And what we'd like to set out right away this morning is our goal for this sermon so that you know what we're aiming at. We would like to do practical teaching to help you, help us apply this verse to our life today, this week, next week, so that it's It is planted in fertile soil. We don't want to just preach a sermon that says, the Bible says you should be a peacemaker, so be a peacemaker. I hate that when people say, you should, because don't should on me. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me how to do it. And so we want to give you some practical teaching and some direction as to how to become a peacemaker
1: so we began to look at this verse and begin to pick it apart a little bit and um, it's one of those verses where you begin to say okay peacemaker i get it what am i supposed to do and we begin to dig in deeper and we decided as we looked at it the only way to really teach on this verse and make it practical for us is to start at the back end of it so we we want to look at the Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. We want to talk about what it means to be a son of God. And we know that the Bible is not necessarily always gender neutral, but it means all of us when we say sons of God. So we're including, it's inclusive. We want you all to recognize that he wants us to become sons of God. So we're going to start at the back and work our way forward. And learn what it means to be a son of God. We'll talk first about some of the qualifications to be a son of God. In order to become a son of God, of course, there's an the initial step. Galatians 3.26 says, For all of you are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So when we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts, we take that initial step of becoming sons and daughters of God. For you are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. John 1.12. So... By, but as many as that received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. It's the same principle as sons of God, even those who believe in his name. If you haven't received forgiveness for your sins through salvation and asking for forgiveness, keep listening. There will be opportunities later in this word, in this sermon but there's another qualification to becoming a son of God. This is Hebrews 12, verses six through eight. Now this is important for us to get, and this is the Tuttle paraphrase of this verse. We looked at a lot of different translations and we pulled some different ones together because we want you to understand the gist of what's being said here. In Hebrews 12, six to eight, it says, the Lord loves those whom he disciplines and he reprimands and corrects every son that he accepts and receives. When you endure the process of God's upbringing and discipline, then you are allowing him to deal with you as he does with all of his sons. If you don't allow him to discipline you, then you are an illegitimate child and not really a son at all. So this is the word of God and being sons of God, but it's not the easy button. (laughs) This is the word of God getting in us and causing us to change.
0: Okay, I like this corner over here. I like that feedback, okay? That's good, that's good. But just to draw it all together too, um, if you've been listening, you know, Pastor Matt's been pe- preaching, Pastor Deb has too, about, um, about the Beatitudes and that our, re- our desire should be that God should reveal himself more in our lives. That's the, that's the desirable outcome that we've been hearing about. And he's also, last week I know he preached and he said that if we follow the Beatitudes and we're, we're trying to do those Beatitudes, that we will have that desirable outcome in our life. And that God will reveal himself in our lives and it's to reveal himself so that we can make him look good. Okay, And that, that's what we should be about. And if we're, we're following those Beatitudes, we'll have that desire to please him. And then, remember, Isaiah came a couple of weeks ago. Do you remember him? How could you forget, right? And he spoke about that one thing. Do you remember that? And he, the one thing that God wants to change in our life, I don't know if you were touched, but I know that the Lord spoke something to me about one thing that he wanted to work on in me, while he was here. Can you remember back? Do you remember what that one thing was that the Holy Spirit touched in your life? If not, keep listening, because maybe the Holy Spirit, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will touch that one thing today for you, okay? But we wanna keep those things in mind. We wanna keep a continuity here. And now this week, we're here speaking about allowing the Lord to discipline us and to father us so that we can become more pleasing to him. It all fits together under the banner of Philippians 1.6, which says, For I am confident in this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ. So please remember that phrase, the fruit of righteousness, because you'll see how it ties together at the end. But let's talk about discipline. And I can just hear some of you saying, ugh. <sighs> ugh. We don't want to talk about discipline. It's not a word that is a comfortable word, is it? And it's kind of a it's a misunderstood word, it's a dreaded word. And I think especially in the church today, but please hear us out, don't click us off. I don't want to hear that. Can you keep listening, please? But if you look in Hebrews 12, um, we're looking at verses 6 through 8, the word discipline can be translated for the Greek word paideia. And paideia can be translated as discipline, which we often have that negative connotation about. Paideia can also be translated as the whole or the complete training of children. Now, if you're a parent, how many parents are out there? You know what we're talking about. It's talking about the training that cultivates the mind and the morals of a child, and it does it by giving the child instructions, by giving the child commands, by admonitions, by reprimands and reproof. Paideia can also be applied to us as adults, and we're talking about this today as the, the Lord fathering us, as the Lord disciplining us. It's talking about the correcting of our mistakes and the curbing of our passions. Okay? And Paideia's goal is to increase, to, is instruction. That increases virtue, and I know Pastor Matt talked about the Beatitudes last week, increasing the virtues in us. And virtue, that isn't a word that is often used today. It's kind of one of those, out. well, it's not even outdated, but it's, it's an old-fashioned word, isn't it? But however you want to translate it, it means discipline, and it's, it's practical. It means instruction. It means nurture. It means correction. And so, in a sense, this word paideia, this discipline that we read about in Hebrews, is, you could translate it as the upbringing of a child, the upbringing of us in Christ, okay?
1: So what was the verse that we started with? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? Children of God. Children of God. So if we want to be legitimate children of God, that whole word about paideia fits into us. There are so many new parents here, lots of new babies in the church. Wonderful thing. How do you love getting up at night with your kids? I always tell new parents, there will come a day when you will eat a whole meal without getting up from the table. It will happen again. You may be 40, but it will happen again. But the upbringing of a child is an intense, ongoing process. How many of you have told your child, um, let's see, the worship leader's daughter was this morning was saying hot, hot. How many times did you have to teach her that word before she actually understood what it meant? Or how many times did she try to touch something that was hot? First, before she realized that hot was something that I did I pay attention to and watch out for. If we're being submitted to the upbringing and training that God has for us, then he's going to have to speak into our lives and bring change to us. So the whole concept of becoming children of God, legitimate children of God, is about submitting to God and his upbringing, his fathering of us. He wants to bring us up. He does it out of love for us. Good parents have to discipline their children. The Father has to discipline us. He does it so that we'll be pleasing to him. We want to make him proud. He does it so that we're prepared for particular jobs and assignments in his kingdom, so he can use us here on earth. Believe me, I never anticipated doing the job I'm doing today. We love pastoring, but he's put us in a position. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a while. He does it so that we're prepared for his heavenly kingdom where we will live with him forever. If you don't let him discipline you now, you're going to feel quite awkward when you first get to heaven and realize, I should have learned that. And of course, it'll be forgiven, but let's, let's get it under control now. How does he discipline us? He uses his word. Not just what you get on Sunday morning, what you get for yourself. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It might be through our personal time in the word, It might be through a scriptural song. It might be through a sermon. It might be through a rhema word where God brings a word alive within your heart, a revelation to your heart. It's the Holy Spirit who teaches us. John 14, 26 instructs us. He teaches, convicts, and encourages us. Sounds like a parent, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Teaches, convicts, and encourages.
0: So, So what you're saying is if we're not in the word then how can we be taught? If we're not at church, listening, having our spirits open to receiving the word, how can he bring us up? Then are we a son? Are we a child of God? If we're not asking the Holy Spirit to convict us, Holy Spirit, what is that one thing that you want to work on right now? Then are we, that's how we become a son of God. Another way that the Lord disciplines us or fathers us or brings us up is through he uses the church. He uses the body of Christ, which is unfortunately becoming less and less of an influence in a lot of people's lives these days. But we read in Ephesians 4.11, it says that he gives the church apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And what? He, He gives it for our equipping. It was great to have Isaiah here. What an evangelist, right? But like we say, evangelists blow in, blow up, and blow out. A pastor then will take the words that the evangelist used and try to teach us to grow up, grow in the body, and then to go out. The Lord also uses people to discipline us, doesn't he? Ouch. Some people are nice about it. And some aren't, right? Are you thinking of a particular person in your life right now that he might be using? The Lord uses. It might be your spouse. It might be your spouse. Mm-hmm. Not anyone you would know, but. Just saying. He also uses circumstances, and sometimes those circumstances can be nice and not so nice are you are you in one of those circumstances right now
1: i thought it was all supposed to be easy
0: (laughs) what's the lord saying to you through that circumstance we'd like to just tell you a little bit about our story right now we like to be really personal and we like to be really transparent um we've been As Phil said before, we've been pastors since 1982, uh, we're both ordained, and we've always pastored together. That's just, we've been a team, and that's the way we like it. That's the way we're most comfortable with. Um, we were in Germany uh, for, 7 well, 17-plus years. We were into our 18th year there. We pastored and planted a church there. Both of our sons were born there. We're fluent in German. We thought that we would live and die in Germany, and that's where our ashes would be scattered. But... Um, the Lord had other plans, and in 1999, he started speaking to us about coming back to what we thought was going to be the United States. We ended up in Canada for three and a half years, um, just a sideline: We pastored a church there, and I don't know how many of you care about this, but Justin Bieber was in our church when he was four years old, okay? Just not my claim to fame, but just, just saying, okay? We do have the church uh, directory with the picture to prove it, too. So um, I actually corrected him one time. Talk about discipline, but that's another story, and we won't talk about that this morning, okay? He
1: also kicked one of our boys in the shin when they corrected
0: themselves. (laughs) But then after after Canada, we did a short stint in Nebraska, a place called Friend, Nebraska, population 1,111. And then we moved to Rockford, Illinois. And we were there for 11 years. And believe me, Rockford was not our favorite place. Um, It was a difficult place, but the Lord taught us a lot. He disciplined us a lot. He brought us up. He, He fathered us through that. And in that time, we were pastors in two different churches, or three different churches, actually. And then Phil and I both became executive directors. He was the executive director at Youth for Christ, and I was the executive director at the pregnancy care centers. And then after that stint of about five years, we went back to pastoring. Um, I'll let you take it from there.
1: So we went back to pastoring for about two, two and a half years, and um, we're in a church a little bigger than this, and we knew what God had told us to do and what he told us to say, and for the church, it became more important for them that we did what the denomination wanted rather than what the Holy Spirit had said to do, and so we, we both resigned on the same day and were fired the next, And um, <laughs> and so we found ourselves without work and asked God, what should we do? And after 30-some years in the ministry, that's kind of a shocking place to find yourself. And we felt like he said, retail groceries and start a small business. And we're like, really? That's what you want from us? So I applied at Walmart on Saturday, started on Monday as a part-time temporary associate, minimum wage, new associates start at $9 an hour now. I didn't back then and worked about 20 hours a week there and then trimmed shrubs and mowed lawns and anything else to make and painted houses anything else to make enough money to provide for us and God challenged us to walk by faith again and then after 5 weeks got my first promotion and after 6 months my next one and then the company moved us up here a little over two years, or it's about almost a year now, 10 months ago. And um, so I'm a co-manager here at at the local Walmart in Plover. Some of you guys work for me. And and it's a different place to be than in public ministry, but you never leave public ministry. Mm -hmm. So now the public ministry is in a regular workplace.
0: And... Phil said, we, the Lord told us to start a small business. We are beekeepers. We also make handcrafted soaps, and this isn't a plug for our business, but I run that out of our house. And the Lord gave me a very specific verse because I said, do you really want me to do this? Because it wasn't the way I would have planned to start a small business. But he said, yes, I want you to do it. And." I always thought about, well, maybe I should go out and look for another job, and every time the Lord just said, no, that's not what I want you to do, and I've always been, like I said, we've always been together in ministry, so it was quite a change for both of us, and uh, and then it's been interesting because we moved up here. Um, We were actually here at the end of January last year when Phil took up his position, and we were in temporary housing for about a month, and then, then we were living in an apartment, and Phil's parents were living in Beloit, Wisconsin, and we knew that we needed to bring them up here, so we said, you know, if we moved, would you move with us, and they did. They came in the middle of March. We got an apartment here at the beginning of March, and so we thought, OK. And then Amy, um, who just had her baby, helped us to find a house in July. And we bought that house. And, and we kept saying, Lord, you have something for us. Um, it's not just Walmart, but what is that? And Phil's parents lived about three miles from our house. But then in August, Phil's mom was diagnosed with terminal ovarian cancer. And it was already in stage four. And so I knew why the Lord was saying, no, you can't have a job right now because you have a job. And it was to take care of, of, of my in-laws. And Phil did whatever he could, but the final two and a half weeks of her life, we had them move in with us. And what a privilege that was to take care of her until she died on October 20th. And so every circumstance the Lord uses. And you know, when I prayed and I said, Lord, I really, this is a big, this is a big job. It's a big job to take care of someone who is dying because it takes a lot of your reserves and it's and it's an emotional thing too. And I said, Lord, help me to be humble, help me to be merciful, help me to be gracious, help me to be kind. And I felt his presence in that whole time that we were taking care of them. And so she's been gone now for a little over a month, and now we're taking care of my father-in-law. He's not living with us, but he has a lot of of medical issues, and so the primary uh, job on that also falls on me. And again, I'm saying, Lord, patience, mercy, peace, (laughs) all those things that it's sometimes difficult to have with someone who's very close with you. But again, the Lord is there, and he has a job for us to do, and he's training me through this situation.
1: Mm -hmm. And even as God works those things out, we've been in ministry over 30 years, but he never ceases to find that one thing, because then we would become illegitimate sons, He has to continue to work that out within us and the things that that need to be changed within us. So my going into a secular job after so many years just within the body um, exposes a lot of your weaknesses and a lot of the things that still need to be changed. And there's a humbling and a dependence on him, especially when we lived in Rockford. I was the frozen dairy manager for a long time, and so I would be in the dairy putting milk on the shelf, lifting, lifting, lifting tons each day, and um, people would come up to the window and open the window and holler in if they wanted something, and sometimes it would be the people that we used to pastor, and they're like, oh, that's pretty humbling place for you to be after but God was working something out and into us through that process and we continue to wait on him and wait on his timing and he has not chosen to reveal his full plan in all of it but we know that he has a purpose we know that we're learning to trust him in a different way and in a practical way and believe me I get you I know how hard you work it you work i know what's expected of you i know the demands i work 60 plus hours a week as a rule and um that's why she's the church widow a lot of times (laughs) and um but it's part of the calling now some of you may think my job i'm waiting to move into my calling no wherever you are is part of your calling yeah okay So if you're in the workplace, that's your calling. If you're with your family, that's your calling. If you're meeting with your neighbors or your homeschool group or whatever, that is your calling. If you're ministering to your children because you're staying at home with them at this stage, that is your calling. And in your place of calling, allow God to work out that one thing.
0: I know one thing, too, that the Lord has really changed in us in the last three years. He's really, we've felt like we've been on the grinding stone. Have you ever felt that uncomfortable thing? But we felt like he was grinding us. And why does he, why do you grind grain? If you you harvest grain, now, I don't know how many of you are gardeners or farmers, but wheat is pretty useless unless it's ground. There's not much you can do with the grain of wheat. You can plant it again, but you have to grind it to make bread. And what's the bread there for? It's for people to eat, right? Are you hearing me? (laughs) So if we want to be useful... We have to be ground, we have to be disciplined, we have to be fathered, we have to be brought up. We have to let the Holy Spirit get at that one thing. And Phil and I have felt like we've been on that grinding stone for three years now. And, and it's really, sometimes it's just stinking hard. Because you know what, you look around and you really, you really can't even afford to look around because if you look around you see other people that aren't on the stone. Or you see, you don't think they're on the stone. All you're seeing is what's coming off of you, that chaff and that junk. So you can't even hardly look. You just have to say, okay, Lord, help me to keep my eyes right on this grinding stone and help me to say yes to you every single day. And, you know, when we start at This whole thing three years ago September 20th three years ago it also changed how we pray we used to say and Lord please be with us today and one day the Holy Spirit said to me I don't want to be with you I want you to be with me And so I told Phil, I said, we gotta stop this and please be with me business. And it really is about, okay, Holy Spirit, am I with you today or am I far from you? Am I doing what I want or am I doing what you want? That's that one thing. And another thing that happened is we totally lost our position. I mean, seriously, I would go to Walmart to find him, and I would open up the, the frozen dairy section and I'd yell at, "Phil, are you there?" People thought I was nuts because I'm you know, yelling into the cooler. But that, seriously <laughs> seriously, people did. People that, you know, people from our old church, they were really embarrassed because of the way things happened there. And they would, they quit, there's, in, Wall, in Rockford, there are three Walmarts, and they all used to go to the one that he worked at. You know what happened? They, they started going to the other Walmarts, because they didn't want to run into him, because, why? Because they were embarrassed, and he wasn't. He was like, hey, hi, how are you doing? Because he was fine, because he had submitted to where the Lord had put him. wasn't a problem for him but you do lose position. I mean, you know, we're pastors. I pastor so and so. Yeah, and and you get used to that and you have and we also because we'd been executive directors, we'd had some status in the community. We were known. People worked for us. We had secretaries, we had assistants. And then you're reduced to this. <laughs> But the Lord was also teaching us, I must increase. You must decrease. And you know what? It's good. It's really, really good to let him be bigger than you. So what does discipline have to do with being a peacemaker? You're thinking, okay, how are they going to tie this all together, right? I would be if I were you. But we said at the beginning, we have to start at the back of the verse to understand a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Okay, we've discussed the qualifications of the sons of God are one, salvation through Jesus Christ, okay? Two, submitting or allowing the Lord to father us and discipline us. But let's look at the rest of Hebrews twelve eleven. see how this all fits together. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, and I can sing that song, (laughs) but sorrowful. Oh, you do not know how many tears I cried. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields what? The peaceful, the peaceful fruit of of righteousness the peaceful fruit of righteousness is what it's doing the right thing it's allowing the Lord to do that one thing that Isaiah mentioned a couple weeks ago and as pastor Matt said it's allowing the Lord to be revealed in our lives and making him look good not us look good but him look good And it's allowing the Lord to change the things in us that need changing so that He's pleased with us and so that He can use us. When we allow the Lord to discipline, it yields that fruit in our lives, the peaceful fruit, a peaceful fruit for peacemakers, right? And for whom is that fruit? For whom is that fruit? Well, number one, it's for Jesus, right? Song of Solomon says that may my beloved come into his garden and eat of its fruit. So number one, the fruit is for Jesus. But number two, you got it, Kurt, right? Number two, the fruit's there for others to eat. It's not for us to make it look good, to put it on a platter and make it all look nice so that we look really good it's for other people to eat. And you know, sometimes i got to say we do some entertaining and we used to do a lot more but sometimes i think can't you people be a little bit neater when you go through my line and take your food? I mean, do you really have to, you know, slop it up and and you know what? I'm, people are messy, aren't they? People are messy when they eat your fruit, too. The gospel is the message of peace. It can bring peace to a soul who's in turmoil. So what fruit is the Holy Spirit developing in you right now? What's that one thing? What's that fruit that is, is growing inside of you? What's that thing that the Lord is changing? It's there for Jesus to enjoy, and it's there for other people to eat. There's a lot of people in turmoil we see turmoil all over the world we just have to think about paris last week and Mali, and beirut and israel we have to think about jetliners crashing and there's a lot of turmoil then that's out there that's not happening to us yet but there are people that you come in contact with every day who are in turmoil and they need to see and taste the peaceful fruit of righteousness. To be a peacemaker, we have to be at peace with our Father every day. We have to allow him to do what he wants in our life, regardless of whether the situation is nice or not so nice, whether our boss is nice or not so nice. And if we allow him to work in us, it will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness in our lives.
1: In Romans 8 19, it says, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is your colleagues, creation is your neighbors, creation is your family, etc. They are the ones that are waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. And when we're revealed, they too can eat that peaceful fruit of righteousness. If they have the opportunity to eat it, they too can become peacemakers, but not unless we offer them the peace that God has placed within us through the work that he's accomplished in us. No work accomplished in us, no fruit. One of my favorite things to do is to trim fruit trees. If a fruit tree, an apple tree in particular, is not trimmed, you get this tiny, hard little fruit. The the rule of thumb for somebody who trims an apple tree is you have to be able to take your hat off and throw it through the tree when you're done trimming. Then you get good fruit because it's been cut back, pruned, disciplined, challenged, and changed. And if you've got a tree that's really giving you trouble, you beat the trunk with a shovel to make the sap flow. Discipline will cause us to bear fruit that the world can eat. Creation is watching. They want to see how you and I handle hard things. They want to know why we have peace in a situation that they would not. They want to know why we keep smiling. They want to know how we manage to get through a rough spot and retain our sanity and are still intact. I have a co-worker who found out that my mother was terminally ill right at the beginning when we found out. And that person never said another word to me, and that person's always not kind to me. Have Those people around you? When my mom passed, I got this text from my coworker. I can't imagine the loss of a parent. You've been amazingly strong through all of this. Were they watching? They're at least looking at the fruit, even if they're not eating it yet.
0: and we think, well, we'll just let them watch and then when something happens, they can come to me. remember once when we were living in Germany, we'd been living in our house for a while and we'd had some contact with the neighbor across the street, but we'd been praying. I mean, we, were, you know, we were supposed to be planting a church and we'd had some contact with them, but not much. And one day, they both came over into our backyard and they started opening up they were having a lot of difficulties he was passing out in a store and she'd been married before and her husband passed out in a store and died and so you can imagine that when her second husband passed out in a store what was she thinking is this gonna happen to me again this is when we were young okay that was funny but But they came over one day, and they kind of dumped on us, and we listened to them, and we didn't say anything. And then I told Phil, I said, you know what? The next time, if they come over again, we got we to gotta say something.
1: They're getting it both barrels.
0: They're going to get it both barrels. Sure enough, they had been watching us very closely, but then it was time to say something, too. They came in, she came into the backyard, he came into the backyard and she was crying and I said something to her and she, without even waiting for me, she went in my back door and headed for the kitchen for the Kleenex box. And I said, I'll take her, you take him. So I followed her in and we were able to tell them about Jesus. We were able to lead them to Jesus Christ. We were able to lead them to become children of God. They came into our church. They were not always the easiest people to deal with. But we helped. The Lord uses people. We pastored them. We helped bring them up. And they're elders in that church today. So yes people are watching you so you do need to let that fruit develop in you but sometime too you're gonna have to say something and the lord will open that opportunity up for you but it's all about allowing the father to father us to let the peaceful fruit of righteousness develop in our lives The fruit's there for Jesus to enjoy, and the fruit's there for others to eat. Thanks for listening to the Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are, and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearefuge.net.